It's that time of year again, folks. It is mid-August, and that means it's time for the Where the Money Is Stock Draft. Today's the preview, so you're definitely in the right place, because this is Where the Money Is. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Kopenheffer. This right here is Tyler Riggs. Glad to be here. Tyler, you must be excited. You must be so excited. Yes. Last year, you were not here. Mm-hmm. The where the money is stock draft. This is big. I'm really pumped about this. I'm I'm excited. I'm glad. To I'm going to probably do terrible at it, but I'm very excited. For I, it. I love the stock draft. I, I guess maybe what we should start off mm-hmm. with is a little bit of a review from last year because sure. I see that you have you've printed out the list. I do. Yeah, I do have it of our last year's picks. Okay. I, I don't know that there's on an overall basis there's a lot for us to crow at. Let, let me say first, in our defense, <laughs> Van, let, let's we've got a chart here of the Vanguard financials. Um, this shows the performance uh, over the past year, almost 12%. That's not terrible, but it hasn't been it, it, it hasn't been a great year for the financial sector on the stock market. So when you look at the comparison to financial stocks in general sure. against the S- against the S and P 500, it hasn't looked so great. Yeah, yeah. I think some of it it could be uh, you know with the whole concern or no one knows where interest rates are going with quantitative easing. It could be all these fines that banks are getting hit with. We're not quite sure. You know, you can't pinpoint maybe one reason why the whole sector as a whole is kind of meh type returns. Mm-hmm. But there's a good amount of stuff to choose from. I think. A so. lot, lot of uncertainty between this year and last. Mm-hmm. I, I think also. A lot of the financial stocks had done really well yeah. in, in the years preceding last year. So to some extent, we were, we were choosing those at a bad time. Sure. Now, I don't want to go overboard on excuses here because <laughs> the bottom line is, is that if we're not picking stocks that are beating the S&P 500, why are we bothering? Sure, Instead of Absolutely. just getting an S&P index fund. Um, there were a few at the top of the list that, that ended up beating the market. Uh, I think it was a it was a Billy Kipper stock yeah, pick, yeah, of American, American Tower. Tower, that was the number one performer. Yeah, it's I think we have it's a forty five percent gain since it was picked, which uh, beats the index by about twenty six percent. So that's pretty darn good. That is pretty, pretty good, good, particularly again how the sector performed. But yeah, I think that one in that one in particular, it's kind of a funny one because it's sort of like a tech and sure. uh, financials crossover, but it is it's a REIT. Yeah. So it counts. <laughs> um, that one I find particularly interesting because it's th- there's been some skepticism sure. around it. Um, I think Muddy Waters may have raised mm-hmm. some concerns around American Tower. Um, I like the business. I think it's a cool business yeah. model. When Billy picked it, it was hard to argue with the pick. I just, you know, it's one of those. It's one of those where I was thinking it just seemed a little expensive. Yeah, I think it's something where it's a it's a perfect example of a boring business, but that's a really strong business. Cell towers, you think oh, that's not as exciting as, you know, big flashy banks or anything like that, but it's a good business to be in, apparently. Not as exciting as big flashy banks. Yeah. I love where you're going. Okay, <laughs> so, so going from big flashy banks into uh, the preview, we're going to sure. preview a little bit for the upcoming draft, which we haven't set a date for yet. Uh, but let's start off in the banking sector sure. and, and give sort of a preview of what we're looking at. What are a few that are on your radar so, so that I know, so that I can okay. yeah. for you? I've been thinking about this. <laughs> I've been trying. I'll keep it as general as possible so I'm not giving away some of my best ideas. But for me personally, what I'm looking for is banks that are not doing a lot of the flashy stuff. I get a little worried with uh, banks that have you know a high percentage of their revenues coming from investment banking, things that – can be very volatile returns. They can be really great one year and terrible the next, and it's all based, a lot of it, on trying to forecast what 
the bank thinks is going to happen in the future. Okay. So I'm, you know, uh, you could say you could stick with a, something like a Wells Fargo, but that's also, they're really expensive nowadays too, and if there's still upside going into the next year. So I kind of like the Wells business model a little bit more, a little more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe some banks that are similar to them, but what I'm specifically looking for is stuff that's got non-interest income. I think areas where, whether it's credit cards, other accounts, fees, things that might be a little bit less volatile based on the interest rate environment. For you, does asset management fall into the investment banking side or into this good non-interest income side? I think I would... That's a good question. I think I would put it on the sort of fee, non-investment banking side. Um, But again... As I sort of target some of those banks and look a little bit deeper to see what they're doing, mm-hmm. I'm just looking for something that's showing healthy growth in those segments that whether interest rates skyrocket, whether they stay the same, whether they somehow go down, we'll still get good growth from those sectors. And I'm hoping that would uh, translate into good returns over the okay, next so year. Okay, wh- so one or two that, that one or two specific names that are on your radar. One or two specific names. Yeah. So I said Wells. Um, I think U.S. Bank Corp. is a little bit of an interesting one. Um, doesn't really, I, I'm not sure if it's, Fully fits my bill. Uh, BNY Mellon, actually. It's Interesting. A, okay. It's a one that just sort of popped up. I was just looking at uh, basically who's got a high percent of non-interest income as for their total revenues. They popped up as one. I think it's maybe a company I might look into a little bit and see where that uh, those fees or where that inf- income is coming from. Gun to your head, U.S. Bancorp or Wells Fargo, which one are you going for? I mean, I do Wells. It's, okay. it's something, like we said, with American Tower, it might look expensive, but... I can sleep much better at night with Wells. I just think it's you know impeccably run, and the business model of focusing on cross-selling, mm-hmm. getting people into products that maybe are not as sensitive to the interest rate environment, I think is is huge. Okay. Now, for the longtime viewers of the show, they'll know one of the one of the shortcuts that I like to take to try to identify some some initial ideas mm-hmm. is I like to take um, return on equity okay. divided by the the book value multiple. So basically what you're getting there is the return on equity to you. Mm-hmm. So if you pay two times book value and a company is earning 20% on equity, you're getting a 10% return to you because yeah. you've paid twice what the book value is. So I, I took a look at some of the top banks in terms of what that return would be and, and okay. then looked at some of the ones we talk about a lot here. Um, SV, SVB Financial, mm-hmm. the parent company for Silicon Valley Bank, that's one of my personal favorites, and that yeah. actually also stacks up relatively well on that metric. Um, trading at two times book value, which sounds high, sure. and it is high compared to other banks, but a 21% return on equity, I think the, the business bo- model is really great at SVB, and they have cornered a particular part of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, think that's, I think that's a really attractive bank. So that's one okay. that I'm going to be looking at if somebody doesn't steal that. I've written it down already, and right. <laughs> I've, I've labeled it top ideas to steal. Right, <laughs> right. So um, speaking of top ideas to steal, Wells Fargo is mm-hmm. also on my list. I agree with you. It looks more expensive than other banks, but it's also earning better than other yeah. banks. 13.5% return on equity trailing. Um, and, and with a lot of these, we'll t- I'll talk about this a little bit more as we move over into the insurers. That's mm-hmm. the next part of our preview. With the banks, I think that there is more opportunity for ROAs, or ROAs and mm-hmm. ROEs to expand. Sure. With the insurers, it's not quite the same, but we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. Um, so for Wells Fargo, maybe a little bit more opportunity for that, particularly as insurance rates, uh, or not insurance rates, uh, interest <laughs> rates go up a little bit. 
And now I'm going to take, well, PNC I'll throw out there. I okay. Just, I really like PNC. Sure. I'm not going to say too much more about it. I think uh, regular listeners have heard me talk about sure. that one before. I'm also going to take the opposite side of the coin from you. Okay. And I'm say Goldman Sachs. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is the epitome of a bank that's yes. getting most of its income. Sure. From those non-reliable sources. But I just think Goldman is so much better at doing it mm-hmm. than everybody else. You may get a little bit of feast and famine with them. Yeah. But what Goldman has done historically has figured out where they can best make money, and they've exploited it. Yeah. And they're really good at doing that. And so right now, with a just a little bit over a one-times book multiple and an almost 10% return on equity, sure. I think it's a good place to be buying yeah. Goldman. Now, do you think, do you think we're still going to have this cloud of settlements over the next year? You know, I think that might have been a lot of where any bank is getting a little bit of discount just because it's a bank. And we have all these settlements with Citigroup, with you know Bank of America seemingly paying one every other day. Do you think maybe if that cloud finally at least dissipates a bit, smaller, less headliney uh, fines, do you think maybe that's just going to rise all the? Uh, it's just a rising tide type thing. You know, with Citigroup, that's one that I wouldn't mind if if, if a lot of these start coming off the board, mm-hmm. and, and I'm pushed to get a bank yeah. later in the draft. Citigroup is one I could definitely take. I've talked a lot about how. Uh, I think particularly at the prices th- that you can get it at today, Citigroup's a pretty good buy. Sure. Um, I think we are going to continue to see settlements. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see less of that from the big banks. Okay. And, and I've been saying this for a while now, so yeah. my foot could remain in my mouth. <laughs> uh, but I think we're going to see that move down to the next tier of banks. Sure. I think we've already seen a little bit of that, but I think we're going to see more of that because as regulators kind of tap out at some point, at some point, they've got to <laughs> tap out the big, uh, the big um, settlements with the bigger banks. Yeah. Then they're going to turn their attentions and say, what can we get out of these mid-tier banks and then maybe even some of the smaller banks? Absolutely. Well. So moving on to the insurers, what are you looking for in the insurance sector? So I think the insurance sector, like we were talking about, I think that's a little tougher. I think it's something where it's very hard to find any sort of standouts here. Um, I, I mean, I'd say Berkshire is probably up there just because it's an insurer, but it's got just cash-producing operating companies inside there. Mm-hmm. I think that's something, obviously, it's a little bit of a unique advantage for it. Um, for me, I think I'd probably go with value for insurers. If I'm forced to pick one, I think I'm looking for what's who's cheap and who's sort of, I don't know, I, I guess I'm just not picking the exciting companies. <laughs> I just want somebody, you know, I want to see consistent underwriting profits, you know, mm-hmm. see that nothing too volatile or anything like that. Maybe just somebody who's a safe bet that for some reason is trading at a low multiple today. Okay, okay. So this is, to me, this is a little bit of the flip side to the banks, like I said. So Mm -hmm. with the banks, I think there is opportunity for upside in the kind of equity returns that they're getting. With With the insurers... I don't think we've been hit with as many insurance, particularly on the property and casualty side, sure. seen as many um, big events lately. Um, so I think you're seeing better returns there, mm-hmm. and that can lull you. That can lull investors into a false sense of security. So I think you have to take into account a little bit that maybe these aren't the kind of equity returns that you're going to see year after year after year. Sure. Uh, with that in mind, again, using that little shortcut of mine where you take the return on equity divided by the the book value multiple. Yeah. It looks like there are much better deals to be had okay. in the insurance sector. Uh, AIG, 
was one. This this isn't this isn't the top. The, you know, this isn't the top of the heap in terms of that equation. Yeah. But AIG was a pick of mine last sure. year. It barely lost to the market. Sure. But there's been a lot that's happened to AIG over the past year, including the changeover at the top mm-hmm. from uh, Robert Ben Moshe as CEO to Peter exactly. Hancock. Yeah. And I think that is going to potentially, I, I mean, it potentially makes AIG less exciting because Robert mm-hmm. Ben Mache was a pretty exciting dude, <laughs> let's be honest. A little I mean, bit of a character, a, About yeah. as exciting as you get in the insurance <laughs> sector. Uh, but, but having a little bit more boring there, having maybe a little bit less attention, letting AIG get back to work, I think that could be good for the company. Um, and, and I think in the longer, the, the longer view, good for the stock as well. Yeah. Um, you were talking about looking for companies that are boring and yeah. people aren't looking at. I think there are a few of those in the insurance sector. Employers Holdings Group is is one of okay. them. This is actually one that I need to look into a little bit more. It's a it's a property and casual it's a property casually insurer that mostly focuses on uh, workers comp and workers comp is a tricky area to be an insurer, sure. particularly when you're focusing or when a lot of your portfolio is in California as theirs mm-hmm. is. Um, but they've produced really good results over time. They think they have a better model for underwriting, and it shows through in their numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that their name is just so nondescript <laughs> that most in, most investors, you know, this is a psychological thing, but a lot of investors are just going to skip over that. It looks, it, it, I, false, I get a little drowsy just hearing the name of the company. Employers yeah. Holdings. Oh, sorry, what? Yeah, what? What does that even mean? <laughs> um, let's see, what are some of these, these other ones here? So I am now... Managing Motley Fool, uh, Germany Motley Fool sure. DE. So that means that I'm also looking at a lot of the financials in that region, in Germany, sure. in Switzerland, in Austria. Swiss Re and Munich Re, okay. both sort of like, these are gold standard names in the insurance industry. Um, and you can get them at pretty reasonable prices right now. Swiss Re trading at under book value about uh, of book value, 85% of book value, and Munich Re just slightly below book value. Okay. These aren't the kind of companies that are going to blow it out of the water for you, Mm -hmm. but they are the kind that I think you can count on year after year to produce good results. Now, do you know, like, is there, are there significant differences in regulation or, you know, the regulatory environment for these guys? I mean, obviously there will be differences, but uh, do you know of any, are there any headwinds you might see coming, you know, down the line with these guys? Well, th- I think the biggest headwinds for any of the insurers, I mean, mm-hmm. this is when we're looking globally, is sure. first of all, when insurance, uh, or I keep saying insurance rates, when interest rates start yeah. to move back up, absolutely, big bond portfolios are going to take a hit because the bond prices are going to fall. For, for most insurers that aren't trading their bonds actively, this is, this is largely going to be a short-term thing because they're going to be able to roll over their portfolio mm-hmm. as it naturally rolls over and add it, start adding in new bonds that, are, uh, that have higher yields on yeah. them. And longer term, that'll be a good thing. But shorter term, on the books at least, that might not look so great. Sure. Um, the other thing is, like I said, there haven't been really huge insurable events when one or two of those roll around, that can... But that's also, that's also where owning like a Swiss Re or a Munich Re or a Berkshire Hathaway yeah. really makes a difference because Absolutely. these are companies with really deep balance sheets that don't go under mm-hmm. uh, during big insurance events. Um, let me see, one, one more that I'll throw out here. And I'll give, I'll give credit to my brother who, okay. is, who, who writes for, for Fool.com for pointing this one out to me. This is Ace Limited. Uh, sure. This is... You know, just a, a really quality insurer focuses on great underwriting results. And again, for an insurer, you can 
have great underwriting results that keeps your combined ratio well below 100%. Yep earn money that way. You could have really good investment operations, which allow you to kind of tread the line in terms of your underwriting results and make, make up for it on good investing, or combine the two. Ace is more of the, let's insure really well. And this is a company run by the son of Hank Greenberg. Okay. So, and he built AIG to what yeah. it is today. Uh, so this is, you know, company run by a guy with insurance in his bloodline. Mm-hmm. So I like that as well. I like the things that, that I've read coming fr- directly from him. Um, so this is one that's on my radar. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's a good point you make about insurance versus investing. You've got to figure out where are they strong there. You don't want to find my worry. I think I, you know, I've, a lot of this is thinking about, you know, especially with that sector, sort of the downside there. Mm-hmm. The investing side is, I feel like, where people can really get dinged right now, where you just can you know, invest in any equities at all if you wanted to, mm-hmm. and you probably get pretty good returns today. It's not going to last forever. Yeah, exactly. And that's not going to last forever. And that's, I feel like, where we could start to see the uh, sector sort of get a, little, get a little bit more hurt before interest rates even rise, too. All right. Well, we'll try to come back with some more previews before we have the actual stock draft. All right. But now I'm going to put you on the spot one more time before we close it out. Oh, man. The number one stock that you'd like to get on your draft card on the day of the draft? The number one stock. If you, if you, could have, if you had first pick overall, what, what, is that, what is that pick of yours? It's, again, the, the theme of this show is boring, apparently. Like, I'm just the most unoriginal person ever, but I really think I would absolutely just go with Berkshire right off the bat. I think it's right. something where, like I said, by picking one stock, you're technically getting to exposure to all sorts of different businesses in there. A lot of them... Sort of cheating and getting... Exactly, yes, yes. I think that's the thing, is a lot of it with a draft is you need to figure out how you're going to pick stocks that'll be separate from everybody else. Mm -hmm. If the entire banking sector does well, then everybody does well in the banking sector, and nobody's really pulling away from the pack. So I think Berkshire's one that, yeah, it's it's a a loophole stock, I would say, in terms of getting all those exposure levels of the businesses. All right, before you, before you put me on the spot, I'm okay. going to close out the show. Uh, that's the show for today. <laughs> Be sure Not to fair. stay tuned to find out when the, where the money is stock draft is going to take place this year. Uh, we will be posting that on the Twitter and the Facebook page. Uh, until then, I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is Tyler Riggs. We'll see you next time.